thank you, God, for your word today, God. As my wife and I always pray, I pray that I would just fade out and that your word would go forth and penetrate our hearts, God. Lord, I'm also asking that you would make our minds sober-minded, like Peter says, that we would be vigilant and sober-minded, that we wouldn't come to, to hear, to check a box, but to be equipped to be the people you've called us to be. Lord, thank you as well for this community of people and the community that you placed us in. Lord, your word says that you have established us, Acts 17, in places so that other people can call on your name, that you've drawn up the lines, that our boundaries have fallen in pleasant places. And so, Lord, as I did yesterday on my run, I thank you for San Clemente, for Dana Point, for the surrounding areas, for San Juan Capistrano, God, that you would use the rock to build solid lives. And we thank you for it. And everyone said, amen, if you agreed. Awesome, 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 awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Lord. Well, this morning, again, as we mentioned, we're going to be concluding um, in our series, The Gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I started this series a couple weeks ago. And we looked at a couple introductory gifts. Um, Today we're going to be concluding, going to be talking about the gifts of the spirit that have control over our boca, our mouth. Yeah, our mouth. That's probably the hardest part. As we looked at the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, if you kind of looked at them, we went over three at a time. Uh, We started with the revelation gifts. Those are gifts that reveal something about our lives or others. And last week, Anna shared on uh, the power gifts, gifts that would almost flow from your hands, gifts of healing, gifts of miracles. You know, oftentimes in the Bible, if you've read it, I've read it a few times, Jesus often touched people before he did things. And being Italian, that's pretty normative uh, for me. In our culture, we don't like to get touched, but touch is a very important thing. And so the Holy Spirit uses even our physical bodies as we, as we touch and bless others in the name of Jesus uh, to be healed and made whole. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about the, the gifts of the Spirit where he uses our mouth, the inspiration gifts. And this is probably one of the hardest ones uh, for us to do or to have control over because, like it says in the book of James, our mouth is untethered. Um, out of it flow blessing and cursing. Uh, We can be in church and bless God and then curse men, James says, who are made in his image. Thou shalt not doeth that in the King James Version. And he ends the chapter kind of vague on like, man, how, how do we answer this? But this morning, I believe God wants to help us in these gifts. And we're going to look at predominantly the gift of prophecy um, is where I kind of landed on. But I want to. Read some verses to you. I'm going to begin in Acts chapter 2. We ready for this today? Are we good, everybody? You're leaned in? Good. You're focused? Good. The gifts of the Spirit. This morning's uh, message title is the inspiration gifts or the utterances. Again, these are the gifts that the Holy Spirit takes over through our mouth, uh, through our through our voice, and, and through the things that we say. Acts chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. I'll be reading from the New King James Bible. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, we are ordering Bibles. I want to get orange ones. Church I used to visit had orange Bibles, but we're big 
on Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, the words will be behind me. So I want you to read along because it's powerful to read it, not just listen to it. But if you don't have a Bible, we're going to be getting a Bible so you can look at it. There is something about turning the page and writing on your Bible. It just does something uh, wonderful. But if you don't have a Bible for today, that's okay. Uh, we're going to read um, some verses together. I'd like for us to read Acts two seventeen and 18 out loud together to charge this place with God's word. You okay with that? Okay, well, let's read that together. Acts two seventeen and 18. Ready, go. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your men... You, and so she visions, your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. This actually came from the prophet Joel, who I was named after, um, that Peter stood up before the people in the day, on the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit had fully come. There are some persuasions, not necessarily right or wrong, it's, all according to how maybe you see the Bible. When you're born again, you receive the Holy Spirit. But the Bible also teaches that on the day of Pentecost, God unleashed the fullness of his spirit. Not that you get more of the Holy Spirit, but that the Holy Spirit gets more of you. And that's what the gifts of the Spirit are all about. The Holy Spirit having greater access in and through your life. And Peter, who denied Jesus three times, stood up big and bold. And proclaim to the people that what they heard and saw when the Holy Spirit had descended on the disciples in the upper room. You've probably heard that story before. It said they spoke in tongues the wonderful works of God. By the way, tongues should always speak of the wonderful works of God. And they also said that they prophesied. We're going to look at that today. But uh, uh, Peter stood up and said, hey, this that you heard today was that. That God said in the last days. When are the last days? Well, the last days are after Jesus resurrected and ascended. He told us that, that that began the beginning of the last days, the seventh week, according to Daniel, who was a prophet, which is different than to prophesy. But we are in the last days. And Paul, the apostle said in Romans, all the more increasing. So as the day draweth near, so you can imagine 2000 years ago, they thought they were close. But we are at the doorstep of the return of Christ. Remember I shared a couple of weeks ago what my mom called and told me? That you're not getting closer to the end of your life. You're getting closer to the beginning of your life. And so as we get closer to our life in God, eternal life as we call it, the Holy Spirit wants more access in our hearts, in our lives, so that we can be blessed and so that we can be a blessing to people. Because our church growth strategy is not necessarily a cool website or Instagram, though we'll use those things. And I believe in those platforms. But it's you and I, it's people. It's like going to a good restaurant. All the best restaurants or things that I've grown to love from others have been told to me by others. It wasn't something that I saw advertised. It was, it was a witness. It was something said, something experienced that someone had experienced. That they said, Joel, you got to experience what I had experienced. And the Bible says simply, that's how the church works. That as we're changed by the power of the Holy Spirit, people want in on what we're in on. And Peter said, that's what this is about. That in the last days, the Bible says, God will pour out his spirit on all people, not just on a few. 
And those people, God says, would prophesy. Their men and their women, even to their maidservants and men servants, meaning young and old, rich and poor, white, brown, black, yellow, everyone, anyone that calls on the name of the Lord would be used to prophesy. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 through 5, Paul speaks of this prophesying. He says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. You see that word there? For he who speaks in a tongue, I don't like the word tongue. It sounds weird. He who speaks in an unknown language, because that's what the word transliterated means, does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. If you haven't heard our message on tongues a few weeks back, I'm a little biased because not only is she cute, but my wife gave the best message on tongues I've ever heard. Because I've heard a lot of messages about tongues, but she explained why. Why we're giving this gift. Unbelievable. You need to go back and listen to it. It goes on to say, but he who, however, no one understands him before he speaks mysteries. But listen to this. This is Paul saying, but he who prophesies, but he who prophesies speaks. Pause. So he who prophesies says something. See, these are the the utterance gifts. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Isn't that beautiful? He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Ah, but he who prophesies edifies the church or the people. Not a bill. You don't edify a building. You edify the people, the ecclesias, the called out, the separated ones. I wish you all spoke with tongues, Paul says, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies, Paul says, is greater than he who speaks with tongues. Unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. I keep using that word. Isn't that, I'm like a chef. You know when chefs cook? Like, isn't that beautiful? I love God. Isn't that beautiful? Beautifully written. He who prophesies, Paul says, is greater than he who speaks in tongues. Why? Because he speaks to men, to God's people. And man, God longs, listen, to speak to you and to me. And God says, in the last days, I will give the gift of prophecy to bring exhortation, to bring edification and comfort to men. There's a story from a pastor I like. His name is John Piper. He tells of a story of when he and his wife, Noel, were expecting their fourth child. And a woman shared with John a very dire prophecy. So I guess on the way to the emergency room, the prophecy was that his wife, Noel, would die in childbirth and that the baby would be a girl. They were expecting a boy. This prophecy seemed wrong to John. There was nothing edifying, nothing encouraging, and nothing comforting about it, as Paul says. John wisely said nothing about this to Noel, hang up the phone, and rushed to the hospital. Just in time for their fourth baby boy to be delivered healthy and mom doing well. Paul says, when we prophesy, we prophesy edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. That we don't prophesy things that are contrary to what would build us up or strengthen people. 
And I believe that God wants to help our church see the power of prophecy. Because there are so many people, including ourselves, that have the appearance of life. We have the structure or the shell that everything's okay. But hearts are not beating on the inside. And God would use the gift of prophecy to to build to be a part of the, I call it the miracle of the resurrection of people. That's what prophecy does. It's like the resurrection of Jesus. That the power of God, it says the Holy Spirit in Romans eight eleven rose Jesus from the dead. And the Lord spoke to me clearly, Joel, I want you to say it this way. That prophecy is you and I helping of the resurrecting of people. The resurrecting of our own lives by speaking. Things of exhortation, edification, and comfort to men. There's a story in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37. I didn't tell you to, to, to turn there, but let's just read this together. That gives a wonderful example of what prophecy is and what it does. Ezekiel was a prophet. That's different than the gift of prophecy. In the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, there are prophets, those that speak forth the word of God. In the Old Testament, it was God's word that was canonized. That word means to be written down as literal. So much so that if you read in the book of Jeremiah, people that prophesied on behalf of God and did not come true. Hey, Tony, whack them. They were whacked. Basically, God and God took them out. They were. It says that if they would prophesy and it would not come to pass, they were killed. That's how serious God took his words. I think I was talking to Megan, something about, about words, the power of words. It was a very serious thing. And so God raised, rose up, raised up prophets to declare, to speak his word and to establish what would happen to kingdoms and people. But in the New Testament, that all changed. And Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, like Peter was when the day of Pentecost came, said, no, God's going to now do it different because we have God's word written in stone. It's final. But that men and women would prophesy. And God would tell us what it is through Paul. He said, words of exhortation, words of edification, and words of comfort to men. And the story of Ezekiel in chapter 37, the valley of dry bones, is a It's such a beautiful picture of what it means. I'm going to read this to you. Ezekiel was a prophet, someone God raised up to speak on his behalf to his people who were in slavery because they had turned away from God. God rose up men and women to speak to the nations, to tell them, hey, turn back to God. You know, follow him. God had Ezekiel do some weird things. I mean, like sitting on his side naked, I mean, eating weird things, not to embarrass or expose um, Ezekiel, but God's prophets, even his cousin, John the Baptist, was the last prophet, wild person. Don't overestimate who God will use. It's kind of a side note, but we're quick to judge people by the way they look and sound. But God has always been in the business of using peculiar people. To do phenomenal things. Be careful that our hearts are tender towards people. That's a little clap area because that's true. We need more of that in the church. We be very careful who we say is of God or not. Paul said that he didn't even judge himself. That's for another message. First Corinthians 4 if you're looking for it. And verse 4. He said I don't even judge my own ministry. I leave that up to the Lord. 
But anyway, Ezekiel was a prophet. And it tells of a story in Ezekiel chapter 37. I'm going to read this to you. It says, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around and behold, were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. God brought Ezekiel into the middle of a resurrection miracle. And he told him some things. I took some notes here. Notice it said that there were very many. I'm convinced that there's very many people, including some of us in this room, that are dry. God took him up in the spirit realm and said, Ezekiel, I'm, I'm going to show you something about my people, Israel. And God just spoke to me, Joel, this is prophecy. That God would show us by his spirit that there are people, very many people that are dry. It says it, right? Dry, very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. I did a little bit of research, the nerd in me, that word dry in the Hebrew doesn't mean dry like towel dry. It means a people that are ashamed have been brought low to be discouraged. That's powerful. That God told Ezekiel, there are very many people that have been brought low, discouraged, and full of shame. There are very many people, Rock South County, very many, very many that are brought low, that are dry and withered on the inside. And God wants us to do something about it. Verse 3, and he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, oh, Lord God, only you know. Ezekiel didn't know how to make the bones live, but he knew God knew how to make the bones live. He said, God, I'm, I'm not sure, but I know that you know. And listen to what he says. Again, he said to me, prophesy. That is, isn't that amazing? God asked him a question. Ezekiel, can these, can these bones, can these people live he said, God, only you know. And God gave him a really peculiar command. You think he would say, okay, now you pray over him. Or you leave it to me. He said, no, Ezekiel, I want you to, to prophesy. I want you to speak exhortation, edification, and comfort. Listen how he describes it. I want you to prophesy to the bones and say to them. You see that? And say to them. Jesus said, when you pray, say. If you're praying in your mind, you're thinking. That is not prayer. And when you prophesy, you are to say, you are to use your mouth. He said, Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinew on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Your God, isn't that good? Prophesy to them, Ezekiel. Prophesy to people. Don't criticize or complain about people. You prophesy to them. Don't criticize or complain about yourself. Joel, you prophesy to yourself. 
You tell yourself, self, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You prophesy to dry, to weary, to dead places. And it says, and I love the next verse. So he prophesied as I was what? Oh, that word jumped out at me in my study. That's interesting. As I was commanded. Notice that. There wasn't a suggestion. Sometimes I think in church, and this is a little bit rabbit, but I'll keep it on the trail. We think church is like suggestive. It's, it's not. There's a lot more command in scripture, not in a negative sense, than we think. We, have, we do church with options, now I call it. Anyway, it's, very str- it's a very strange thing. I live that way too. I live like I have options. I wonder how many things I take for option that God commands me to do. And I wonder, where's the blessing, God? Man, you live with options. Anyway, he commanded, he said, he commanded in verse, so I prophesied as was commanded. And as I prophesied, this is getting good. Come on, I'm getting all preach. I need a little organ today. (laughs) But it's true, I'm getting fired up. It says, as I prophesied, he began to hear something. Noise. Remember I talked about resurrection? Something was getting created again. See, as you prophesy, you should hear noise in other people, in yourself. Something should, be, should begin to rumble. Something should begin to, to break loose. You know, when we sing the singing part of the service, that, that's not to warm up for the message. You know, songs are prof- prophetic. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place. What, this room? No, me. Yeah, it's good to focus on the worship, and we're in some a new season um, with worship, and it's going to be exciting. Um, but it, it's powerful when you sing. I, I didn't get all, guess what, by the way, some people probably think, well, you know, because you're preaching. I don't get all fired up when I'm preaching. I get fired up because I need, I need to prophesy to myself. I need to speak, uh, and even if, even if you don't like the song. That's immature if you don't like songs. It's not how adults behave. All things are possible. By the way, that's not one of my favorite songs, but I love the words. I believe, I believe in you. See, when you sing, you prophesy to yourself. Very important. We'll teach on that. The power of our worship. Yes, you want it to sound good. I get all that, but it's much, much bigger than that. Oh, if you could understand that worship is not only for God, though we hear that preach, and it is. It's a sweet aroma. I'm not making light of it. It's also powerful to you. So make sure that when we sing, that you come, you sing, because you're forthtelling a future to yourself. Very, very powerful stuff. Very powerful stuff. As I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. There was a rattling. They became a shell of what was and the promise of what will be. As you prophesy, things will come together in your life. And as you continue to prophesy, it predicts a future that God will bring. What do you need to prophesy over? Who do you need to prophesy over? Is it yourself this morning? Are you dry and discouraged? God would command you to prophesy to your bones. You tell your spirit, self, worship God. That's what David did. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless. See, that's a prophecy, his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all of your iniquities. I won't go on. It's not me trying to impress you with what I've memorized. The point is, David prophesied. He strengthened himself in the Lord. By singing, by speaking. That's what God is calling this church. This church is going to be a prophecy church. That we speak God's word to one another and strengthen one another. Because we need it. And that's what Ezekiel did. That bones came together. These dry bones became a shell of what they were. And a promise of what they could be. Indeed, verse 8, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them. And the skin covered covered them over. But there was no breath in them. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. And say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on the slain that they may live. Prophesy to the breath. The life which you and I long for comes by speaking the words of God. Prophesy to the breath. As we speak the word of God, life comes. By sharing, I just wrote a couple notes, by sharing again and again the words of God. By speaking life. God told him, okay, good. You're you're catching Ezekiel. He was prophesying. The bones came together, but the breath wasn't still in it. He said, just continue to speak the word of God. Have it in your heart. The continued speaking of God's word brings life. It's the speaking of the word of God that brought life. He prophesied. He said, prophesy to the breath. Verse 9 again, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. And look at what happened in verse 10. So I prophesied, and he commanded me, as he commanded me, and breath came into them. See that there? And what happened? And they lived, and they stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Isn't that precious? Man, they came alive. Life came. Life came as they prophesied. It didn't just say they became alive. It says they stood on their feet. Strong and mighty. And Paul says God's given us the greatest gift of prophecy to to speak life into people. By using the word of God and, and messages that God would give us. Sometimes God will give us specific words. I had a word given over me. I'll share you a quick one. It was probably like 15, 18 years ago when I got ordained where Jason Ball used to live out in the desert. This is before I met my wife out in kind of the Palm Springs area. I think I might have might have told him. And I had uh, a little old lady come up to me. You know, it's like the big pastor that you want to lay your hands on. I had a few. I was like, yes, I'm in his line. You know, I'm kind of expecting it was good. It was like, Joel, you know, you'll do blah, blah, blah. And then there was another lady. I don't, I don't remember who she was, but she was like, one of the secretaries, I think, for Jack Hayford, and she prophesied over me, and she, this is what she said. She said, Joel, I see a carton of vitamin D milk over your head. I thought, wow, okay. And then she paused and said, God's going to use you to preach and speak the pure word of God. I mean, that's, I mean, 20 years later. And so God will use his words 
and he'll use words to build you. Man, that strengthened me because I've always had a love for God's word. And I thought I wanted to be like a Bible college teacher. I just didn't feel that. And, you know, time went in, but I love to, to read and study uh, God's word. And, and that's what prophecy does. It speaks life. It brings dead things to life. And I want to charge us this morning that God would invite us into the resurrection business. That as you speak life over your family, over your job, over your niños, over your children, even over yourself, which can be the hardest person to prophesy over. Oh, we have so much grace for others. We're fantastic with other people, but we're hardest on ourselves. The hardest person to ministry is you. It's the person in the mirror. But as you prophesy over yourself, God says, I will bring to life dead areas. Romans chapter 4 and verse 17, I love this. God gives a promise to Abram. Abraham was a guy that had no children and was unable. And God spoke to him some precious prophetic promises That out of him, all the nations of the earth would be blessed from his offspring, unable to have kids. And in verse 17 of Romans 4, this same Paul, the apostle, who wrote what we just read in 1 Corinthians, describes God like this. I love this. He says, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they do. Sounds like prophecy, doesn't it? God who gives life to the dead. How? By calling those things that do not exist as if they do. That's what it means to prophesy. It means to speak life and to call those things out of others that do not exist as if they do. Because we are so beaten up on the inside. Our our own self-esteem, we are so dry. And God says, Rock South County, I'm giving you the recipe. That you would call things out over your families, over yourself that would speak life. That prophecy is the speaking of life by speaking the word of God over yourself and over others. It's also speaking destiny and purpose. That's what it means. Those things that haven't happened yet, today would use the word destiny and purpose. I'm not talking hype. Prophecy is not, hey man, Joel, it's a nice shirt you got on. That is not prophecy. Prophecy is speaking destiny and purpose over yourself. That God has created me and God has a plan. I have a specific one in Genesis 17 that I won't share. But God gave me a prophetic word just one day reading his word. I don't know if you've ever read the Bible at times and it just feels like you, it's just, it's, it's so, it's like someone is shouting at you. And I wrote that thing down and I hold it very near and dear. Dear to my heart, some promises I believe that God was saying, Joel, this is going to be you. And you write it down and you say it. And you say it and you say it, especially when you feel dry. You speak it and you speak my word. God says, as you do that, you will stand on your feet. There is an energy. There is an army. There is a a life that will come to you. That will be strong. We doing good? We hanging in there? First Corinthians 14, 3. I'll go back to that. It says, but he who prophesies speaks 
edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. The New Testament prophecy is simple for everyone to function in. No one is excluded. This is a gift for all y'all. Everyone can speak edification. Edification, that word means to strengthen. It's a construction word. It's a building word. Exhortation means to encourage or to give new perspective. That's good. To exhort someone is to encourage or to give them new perspective on something. God is an exhorter. Kind of random thought, but just came to mind. Even in the book of Jonah. Remember Jonah? All bummed out that a nation got saved. God had to exhort him and give him new perspective on what just happened. Exhortation. That's powerful. I'm going to say it again. To give new perspective to someone or to self. And finally, comfort. This is beautiful. In the Greek, it means near speech. That's as if God is coming close to you. Speaking tender words of comfort. That's beautiful. Comfort. That's near speech. That's coming close. You know where we see that? Remember Elijah when he was on the run? He got all panicked like we get on the run. Not physically, but we get on the run. And the Bible says that God came and spoke to him. He whispered. You know why people whisper? Because they're close. Can't hear someone whisper if they're far away. Near speech, comfort. God just spoke to Elisha. Elisha, what are you doing here? And his whole life got redirected. The perspective shifted. See, God's, God's prophetic. God prophesies. And we're made in his image. We are to prophesy and speak life. I love this part. I'm almost done. Prophecy is also our weapon. Prophecy is a strong tool. It's a strong weapon in our hands. We've been reading through the book of Timothy, right? I have. Woo! Come on. We read our Bibles every day here at the rock. At least we attempt to. You're not in condemnation if you don't. But the real you, I said before, is your daily pattern. First Timothy chapter one and verse 18. We have this guys. I love this. Paul writes to young Timothy. He's a pastor who was facing enormous burden. I mean, this kid had a responsibility like nobody's biz. I'm a home alone with my kids for 10 days. Timothy would laugh at me. He'd be like, that's nothing. This kid was pastor in a church single under the age of 30 heresies. I mean, craziness. But Paul saw something in this young man trained him up to be like his son. He said, Hey, you go handle the church in Ephesus, which was like a big deal. This isn't a little dinky thing. This was probably the largest church in known history at that time. Probably over a couple thousand people, which would be considered a phenomenon. And young Timothy was sent there to kind of lead the helm. And so he was panicked, man. He said he got sick often. You can read the story that Paul said, hey, take a little wine for your stomach. Even though we're not supposed to drink, Paul said, hey, man, do what you got to do and fall asleep at night. (laughs) A little bit. But he says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, he says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy. Listen to this. I thought this was, in, it just jumped out at me. According to the prophecies previously made concerning you. See those words there? And now watch the connection here. 
that by them, okay, let's do a little English and pause. I'm not worried to do this. This is, this is how you learn. So by what? So what is the them? Shout it out to me. Yeah. The prophecy, you see that there? It's a conjunction word. So Paul's telling him, okay, hey, look, Timothy, I commit to you and charge you according to the prophecies previously made. So there was a gap between when they were spoken over him. Are you seeing this here? He says, I want you to take those prophecies. And by them, I want you to wage the good warfare. And prophetic words, I don't know if you've ever had something spoken over your life. Man, it is powerful. I'm telling you, it could be a verse of scripture. It could be just a word. Paul told Timothy, hey, prophecy is so powerful. Timothy, I want you to recall what was spoken and prophesied over you. And I want you to use that as a weapon. To wage the good fight. To wage the warfare. Why? Because that's going to keep you going when you face challenges, setbacks, disappointments, or delays. Oftentimes we lose heart because of disappointment or delays. And Paul told Timothy, hey, I want you to recall the prophecies spoken over you. This is power. This is good stuff. Why? So that you can wage the war. Because those highs or those words of the services or, yeah, Joel, that was so good. Hopefully that's what you guys are thinking. <laughs> it'll wane by Tuesday and Wednesday. It'll, it get, gets to wane, begins to wane or something spoken over you when you were young. It, it can wane over time. Remember Joseph? Man, he was promised some amazing things. I saw, you know, he prophesied over himself. God gave him a vision, and over time it began to wane. But something in me tells me that Joseph kept, kept coming back to that, waging the war, waging the good fight, in prison, falsely accused, all this stuff. He kept waging the war, kept fighting the good fight. And that's what prophecy does for us. It helps us wage the war of life. It helps us fight the good fight so that we keep going and we keep trusting God. Timothy, I commit to you. I charge you. Whatever powerful word you want to use concerning the prophecy previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Ephesians 6 and verse 17. It's a little different angle on the same idea. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. You remember this one, guys? Which is the word of God. Could it be? That's a way to use the word of God. Prophecy. It's our weapon. To help us fight the good fight, you use the word of God to wage war, guys. That's how the Christian life works. The Holy Spirit gives us the gift of prophecy. It's the greatest gift, Paul says. And I wish everyone would prophesy. Speak edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. So that you can wage the good war in life. And find yourself occupying what God has you to occupy. 1 Corinthians 14, 5, and I'm done. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. John, could you come up? Just kind of do some keys behind me as we close. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in a tongue. Prophecy is the greatest gift. As I was putting my notes together, oh gosh, early yesterday morning, but not too early. Don't get, don't get carried away here. 
maybe about seven, in my garage, I just, I asked God, God, how do I explain prophecy? Anna and I were talking about, man, we want to do a better job of helping the people, not just teach them things, but what does that look like? And I just wrote some notes down for myself. I I put, Joel, as you enjoy me, or I'll read it in third person, as you enjoy the Lord and experience him daily, you will build up a history before me, son. And an inward burden to speak life will well up in you. That's what it means. That as you enjoy the Lord and experience him daily, that's how you prophesy. You experience the, you enjoy him. That was a, a word I felt God said to enjoy as you experience the Lord and enjoy him. What begins to happen is something wells up inside of you. There's like a history. There's a reservoir of God's word. Is that making sense? And it'll come out of you. God says, I'll prepare you to speak and God will give you words for people or even for yourself. It'll be the word of God and God will give you sometimes special messages just to to stop someone and, and forth tell to speak life over them. And I think we need that so bad, so needed. I want to do that Holy Spirit song in a second here. My wife sent me this yesterday kind of like a prophecy. She said, our gardener is planting new plants this coming Saturday just for your information. I'm like, thanks, hon. Also, a guy will come to reset the sprinklers Saturday between 9 and 12. P.S. I love you. God is setting us up for the greatest fruit of our lives. Hon, stay the course. Excuse me. Express gratitude. Shake off pressure. You got this. The heart. That's prophecy. Exhortation. Edification. And comfort to men. And I believe God wants to to fill us. To help us prophesy. How? By enjoying the Lord. See, when you enjoy the Lord, he downloads things to you. And as you spend time in his word and and in his presence, it's like a reservoir builds up. And so, oh, the tipping point begins to spill over. And you encourage others and even yourself in dry areas with his word so that you can stand and be strong and be all who God has called us to be. Let's all stand together. I'm going to pray over you. I want you just to kind of hold out your hands if you're comfortable. Thank you, Lord. Let's just receive this gift from God. Just right where you are. There's no special formula that I pray that whammies you and you now all of a sudden have the gift of prophecy, but just that we would desire it. So Lord, just as the representative head of this church, but you are, God, the chief shepherd. Lord, I thank you for the Rock South County. Lord, I speak a blessing over each and every one today. Lord, that we would just welcome the gift of prophecy in our lives. That this church would be full of those that speak edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. And Lord, even for me, for those of our, us that are maybe battling in our minds, 
that think, wait a second, what about the truth? And what about, you know, telling people how it is? And what about all that stuff? Lord, we trust you with all those things. And we leave the changing of people to you. Because you've called us to speak life to people and life over ourselves. And Lord, like you showed Ezekiel, the prophet, I pray that you would give each person here today a vision, a heavenly vision of dry places coming to life in their lives, personally, in their families. And we thank you for it. And let's take a minute just to prophesy, not out loud, but say something over yourself. Thank you, Lord, that I'm righteous. Oh, Lord, thank you, God, that you love me, Joel, with an everlasting love. God, I receive your love today. Lord, thank you for the hope and future that you have for me that's good. I receive it. Lord, we thank you that our mouths would combat the lies of the enemy that would hold us back, that would limit us, God, that that would keep us dry and complacent. And Lord, I look forward to many, many lives in this county being changed by the power of your word spoken through us, your people, imperfect that we would not despise prophecy, as Paul said, because we are imperfect and we won't get it always completely right. But Lord, I pray that you would use us, that a courage would mount up in us to speak life over people, over ourselves. And we ask it today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. amen. We clap our hands and thank God for his word today.